0: Midday knowledge. Hi, my name is Kristen Sharpley, and I am the program coordinator at the Center for Student Leadership, Experiential Education and Citizenship, Frederick Van Sales Slubbett Institute at Stellenbosch University. Welcome to our podcast. SLEEK's FEZS Institute focuses on student leadership development through a range of short courses, critical engagement sessions, and seminars. This podcast forms part of our critical engagement monthly midday knowledge series as we engage in a range of topics, stimulating critical thought, self-reflection, and exploring contextual knowledge. This podcast was pre-recorded as part of our midday knowledge session on how fostering an entrepreneurial mindset within student affairs can create a transformative experience by Joshua Romisher, who is the CSO of Stellenbosch University's Launch Lab. He is a serial entrepreneur with a wide array of ventures, including a boutique investment bank in New York, solar irrigation startup in India, frozen yogurt franchise in San Francisco and solar home systems across sub-Saharan Africa. His mission is to create impact at scale with a specific focus on climate. He is driven by the opportunity to provide hardworking people across the globe with a platform to put their skills to work in effecting positive social change.
1: So without further ado, I want to welcome Josh here and we look forward to his presentation Great. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, very happy to be here today. Thanks for taking the time out of your day and happy to have these discussions. Um, As Prof said, please just interrupt me. Um, It's it's totally fine. These discussions are way more fun if they're a bit more interactive. So you can post a question in the chat room. We'll get to that at the end. I'm probably going to talk for yeah, 15, 20 minutes and go through what Launch Lab does, how I got here, and then we would love to leave it open for a lot of Q&A. That's, that's the really fun part. Um, but again, if you have a question in the middle of it, just interrupt me. Totally cool. If you want to put something in the chat, then we will get to it at the end. I am going to, well, I'll give my, my, quick, my quick background, which as Prof said, is, is kind of a weird one. Um, I forget the, the Steve Jobs quote that, that he said, it never really makes sense when you're looking forward, but you look backwards, the dots start to connect. And I think that's kind of how my, my career has has, has been. Um, so as Prof said, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years now. I actually started off, I'm, I'm from the States, um, grew up in, in the US uh, on the East Coast, um, got into banking. So I left university, got into banking, worked in on Wall Street in debt capital markets for 11 years at Credit Suisse. And and love that experience. Believe it or not, I love banking. I loved uh, capital markets. I'm a behavioral economics major. I love the interplay of numbers and people. Like people uh, make. Both rational and irrational decisions, and numbers are a fun way to quantify that. So, I, I loved my experience on Wall Street. Um, but in 20, 2008, um, I decided to become an entrepreneur. Um, a, a, a situation presented itself, and this is where I think, even in today's pandemic and with today's discussion, having that entrepreneurial mindset that sees opportunity in the face of challenge. I was working literally in the middle of uh, the great financial crisis, um, on, in structured products, in mortgages, was in the middle of the whole thing. And in 2008, decided to take a risk and start my own investment bank with a couple of uh, former Bear Stearns employees that found themselves, unfortunately, uh, unemployed very quickly. And that was very successful. That was actually the most successful startup I've had and, and probably the most lucrative thing I've done in my career. Um, but that really started to get the juices flowing for me that I wanted to become an entrepreneur and wanted this to be my full time gig. I stayed in banking for a couple more years. I started a frozen yogurt franchise in San Francisco, which was a terrible business. And. Um, and I, I mean, I did it for, for good reasons, but in the end it wasn't a good business. And I, It really is one of those things that the first one, I wouldn't say I got lucky, but it worked really well. And the second one worked really poorly. So in 2013, I said, you know what, I'm gonna go back and try to figure out is there really a, a, a scientific method? Is there a way to build better businesses? Right now it's basically a coin toss for me. So I was able to go back to, uh, to Stanford and do my business degree at the, the Graduate School of Business there which was an amazing experience. I mean, I lived in San Francisco for six years, got to spend a couple of years on the Stanford campus, which really is, I think the, the it's a university turned incubator or incubator turned university, whatever you want to call it, um, in the middle of a really, really interesting part of the world. And what I found is that there is a technique to entrepreneurism. There is a mindset, most importantly, that defines entrepreneurism. And so I, I left business school really wanting to make a difference and use my skills for what I call impact at scale in the world. Had done a, I've been to 75 countries. I've worked all across the world. I, I love travel, and I love starting businesses in, in unique places and trying to really live at the intersection of what I consider to be social and for-profit. So I do believe that, that businesses, that, that a lot of social problems can be solved with for-profit business, and, and for-profit businesses should have a social conscience, and where you get into that intersection is really, really interesting to me. So I left business school. I, I did some solar irrigation in Western India, um, figured out that was a really hard business to do in a commercial way but very impactful so continue to figure out on this continuum of social impact versus commercial where can you live that could be a scalable sustainable business i came to africa in 2014 working in off-grid solar Um, worked in off-grid solar for five years really trying to help scale and build a few businesses in that sector and we had a lot of success so my my those two businesses um one got acquired. Um, overall, we, we scaled to 10 African markets. We had over 800,000 customers, um, over 2,000 employees, um, over, I guess it, when I left, about 25 million US dollars in turnover. Um, so these were real companies serving a social good, providing off-grid solar and clean energy to a rural customer who, who wanted and needed that and did it with really interesting business model innovation. I found myself in South Africa as an entrepreneur without a home about two and a half years ago when we were living in Uganda, ended up coming to South Africa to have our baby. And uh, as soon as the baby was born, my wife basically said, if we're, if we're staying in Africa, we're staying here, um, especially in the Western Cape. So I ended up in South Africa and somehow ended up at, at Launch Lab. And really, in the end, I'm just an entrepreneur trying to really do two things. And it's going to come through in the presentation today. One is spread the gospel of the entrepreneurial mindset. I just think it's something that people have to embrace. And in, in design thinking, lean startup, grit, growth mindset—these are all pieces of an entrepreneurial mindset. And it's really important that people get those tools. I mean, all these things are our tools to make decisions in the face of ambiguity and uncertainty. Um, that's what a startup is, but that's also what life is. Like that's that's what pandemics are. That's what debt crises are. So that's these are tools to make better decisions. And you don't have to be a startup founder in order to have an entrepreneurial mindset. I think that's the most important thing I can get across today is that grit, grit and growth mindset, those two things to me, are, are really the, the foundations of a, a life that can be flexible and in a style that can be flexible with, with changing times. The second piece of it is also to build businesses. So we, uh, we do want to build high-impact, sustainable businesses with the university and then u- utilize the university resources to build businesses across Africa. Um, our big premise is we want to build in Africa, for Africa, by Africa, using the immense resources of the Western Cape to build things that really matter on the continent. And so we're focused on a couple key sectors and I'll talk about those in a minute as well. Um, so that's, that's that's where I came from. Um, I think the story helps to tell you where Launch Lab is as well. I've been at, Launch Lab is, is seven years old. I've been here for two. Um, we've had a lot of success and I think we're just starting to really figure out how to really even make the model work with the university and make the model work in the broader context. So it takes a while to figure these things out but I think we're, we're getting there. So. Um, What I'd like to do now is I'll share a presentation. I'm going to run through it for about, yeah, about 15 minutes tops and then open it up to questions. But again, stop me if there's any questions and we can talk about any of this stuff. But most importantly, is to give you a bit of a background and then hopefully that'll lead to some really interesting questions and some discussion. Um, So please let me know if someone could just tell me if you can see my screen, that would be really helpful.
0: Yes, we can see your screen.
1: Perfect. Thank you. So today's discussion is this idea of the transformative student experience, which is part of Stombosch University's vision and and our, our real core foundations, this transformative experience. And again, I think this entrepreneurial mindset, I, I didn't make up this session, so nice, nice work to the team um, for bringing this, this, this collateral and this um, discussion topic to bear. I think this is incredibly important. It was important before the pandemic. It's even more important now. And how can you foster that entrepreneurial mindset? And we actually are really at the precipice now of really building out our team at Launch Lab that will work with students and faculty and researchers. And I think we're going to be doing a, a ton more on campus in the next 12 months and really in a coordinated fashion. So a great opportunity to talk today. There were some questions that were posed um, that I'll go over at the end here, or we could take your questions as well. But what I want to do first is talk a little bit about what Launch Lab is. Um, and we, we do really stick to our, our mission. So we're very much a mission-oriented organization. And that mission is to transform seemingly impossible ideas into world-shaping businesses, I think it's really important to stop and, and double click on that a bit. Um, what do we do really? We, we, we work in that zero to one. So zero to one is really something from idea stage. I, I've, I've done a report. I have this research. I've thought up this business idea to what one is, is what we call product market fit is effectively getting, some, getting a product to market and having a customer pay you for it in a repeatable and scalable way. So that's really the journey is to get from idea to a product that many customers want to buy. And the way that we go through that process is the entrepreneurial journey, but it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a puzzle. It's a bit of a mind bender, um, the way we take people through this thing. But where we live is that aspect. We live in that zero to one. We live there because one, it's really hard and it's really fun. Um, But also a lot of people don't live there because they, they actually want to work more with more mature companies, more mature ideas, things that have been de-risked already. We like working in the, in the early stages. And where do we want to get these things to? To something that can be world-shaping, could live outside of South African borders, and could really have a positive effect on the world. So we, we work with university, but we also work with, with non universities So of our 21 companies that we're incubating right now, if I do the math in my head real quick, I believe it's about 40% university and 60% non. So we have companies from uh, from Kenya, from Rwanda, from Nigeria, uh, all across South Africa. So it really is a pan-African vision. And in in the end, what we want to do is make Stellenbosch or the Western Cape what we call the go-to destination for globally conscious startup activity. Um, We we just believe if you wanna build the hard thing in Africa, um, this this should be the place to go. This is the place where we can build the thing and then export it to other African markets. We think this is a place where um, you have the highest probability for success and that's what startup ecosystems are. I mean, that's what Silicon Valley is, that's what London is. If you wanna build certain things and you wanna have the highest probability of success, there's certain parts of the world that you should go to in order to do that. And we want Stalinbosch to be that for what we call this globally conscious startup activity. We have four values. I think these are really fun. I won't get too into them today, but maybe in a, a future conversation, we can talk about our values. And so how does this thing work? I think there is a, a lot of question. And, and this is one of the things we want to get out the story a lot more on campus about how the whole system works. I mean, and you all know this. You work in the university, but the university is an incredible R&D machine. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're at the source of the river with incredibly smart people, incredibly um, uh, very diverse and very interesting and very unique ideas. And all this slide basically says is the university has created more intellectual property than any entity in South Africa, commercial or non, in the last 10 years. And in the right hand side, it says for every dollar put into the system, we're actually better at creating spin out companies and spin out companies that last than even normalized across the United States and Europe. So we create tons and tons of R&D. Some of that is getting into the world and turning into spin out companies. We do this really well, but there's even more room for improvement here and more room for, for growth. So you have the university uh, and, and I've been, been fortunate to work in 10 African markets and visit 22 and live in a couple of them. Um, I mean, what we have here at the university is on parallel, Period. period. <laughs> like, that's just the fact. It's just not available anywhere else on the continent. And it is incredible. And that's what we need is we need I call it the a- irrational optimism of a university. We need the smart people. We need the intellectual property. We need the technical skills. Innovis and Launch Lab work incredibly closely together. Innovis handles technology transfer, which is a, uh, a it's a government, it's a university requirement to make sure that this research gets into the public sphere in a in a, a systematic manner. And then we work with Innovis and the university to help build companies and build ideas from that research. And like I said today, we, we also work on entrepreneurial mindset. We also really want to get these tools out there to everyone. So you don't have to start a company in order to be entrepreneurial, in order to use design thinking, in order to use these techniques. And we'll be doing a lot more of this in the future. Yeah, in the last seven years, we've done a bunch of stuff. Like We've, we've incubated a bunch of companies. Um, those companies, we like to grade ourselves on metrics that we think define uh, companies being successful. It's not about how many you work with, but are those companies generating revenue? Are they hiring employees? Are they raising additional capital? And the companies that we worked with have definitively done that over the last seven years. And, and like I said earlier, we want to focus on the hard thing. Uh, I mean, if you look at the funding of venture capital in Africa, 80% of the funding goes to fintech in Kenya and Nigeria, and I think about 90% if you include South Africa. So fintech, insurance tech, property tech in Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt is very well subscribed. Things are cool there. It's working pretty well. Um, What we're not seeing enough of is a real focus on what we consider to be some of these unloved sectors. They're harder to build, climate, agriculture, food, health. Um, But we believe those are what the continent needs. And we have a platform that we've built in order to work with companies in those sectors. We do work with companies across everything. I'll make that clear. Like we do focus in certain sectors because you do want some economies of scale. You do want some some critical mass. But we do work with entrepreneurs across anything you can really imagine, especially in the early stage. And our goal for the next five years is really one to get these techniques out to not only students, but faculty members in a big, big way, uh, incubate. It's not going to be a ton, but like 30 to 40 different ideas or companies every year. That's about what we can handle and what we think we can do well. Um, get some of those ideas as, as spin outs into the public sphere and then in the end generate revenue and, and really create jobs through this mechanism. I think we're, we're in a great place to start, but we're, we're really, I, I think, personally only getting started in this whole journey as well. And, and really quickly, I just want to give you guys a background. And on what I consider to be the scientific method for building a startup. And, and I do think that entrepreneurism, I mean, God willing, by the time I'm, I'm done with it, um, we'll be able to say is, is a science. It's different than an MBA. It's different than what you would learn in EMS or anywhere else, but it is a science of how to build companies. We use really two techniques. One is design thinking. Um, design thinking is a, a really, it's a really interesting empathy building tool to be able to make better decisions, collect more information, if I think about it in, in fourth industrial revolution terms, um, what it really is, is a, is a way to go out and collect a big data set from your customers or from people whose problem you want to solve and then basically mine that data for insights. And then it is a real interesting way to work with your customer or with your, um, I, I think of it as a partner, to co-create a product. And it is is—it is a very different way about creating a product, creating a startup than, than what we've used in the past. But it gives us a framework to, get data, sift through that data, make it human centered, and then test and iterate very quickly. And this is really the tool that I think for entrepreneurs or to have an entrepreneurial mindset, learning how to use design thinking is huge. Um, I mean, I've used this in my life. That's how we ended up in South Africa. My wife and I went through a design thinking exercise to figure out where we wanted to live in the world. And this is the same process we used in order to make that decision. We, we layer design thinking with a another startup technique that was defined by uh, Steve Blank, who was, was actually one of our mentors at Stanford, um, called Lean Startup. And Lean Startup basically says, use a business model canvas, which is a way of figuring out who is the who's, whose problem are you trying to solve? Get out of the building, that's Steve's big thing, is you, you can never, you never, a startup is effectively a series of untested hypotheses. We have a lot of ideas about what we think could work in terms of product or pricing or customer or market, Well, you can never answer those questions by sitting behind a computer or behind a lab or or a, uh, a lab desk or whatever it may be. You have to get out of the building and you have to do what's called customer discovery, which is also effectively the first step in design thinking, which is empathy building. Go out and talk to people about their problems, really understand the underlying need, understand how big of a problem it is, because a startup is effectively where you... You understand someone's problem well enough that you can design a solution that meets it, and it's a big enough problem, they're going to pay you a good bit of money to solve it because then you have to build a company with the money they pay you. So, that's really an interesting way to break down how a company works. And the best way to do that in a lean, effective way is what's called agile engineering, so low resolution prototyping. So, again, if you bring together design thinking and lean startup, and this is what we do in our courses, and I'll show you what we're doing this year and next year, so there are opportunities for you to put these tools in practice. These two things overlay on each other really, really well, and also provide a way to build businesses with thinking about your cost structure being lean, figuring out your revenue side. And what we're doing a lot at Launch Lab is working with really technical people from the university that have the engineering, the coding, the science, the medical skills, that frankly, we're just the business people. Like, we we just help you figure out how to get it to market, how to price it, um, who your customer may be. And in the end, you need both sides. I mean, I can't code, but I I can do this part, and a lot of our, our really technical people can build incredible engineering things, but they may not know how to get out of the building and low res prototype with the customer. And that's where I think the symbiotic relationship lies. We do this all through an online as well as in-person platform. So we have a number of programs that we run. Uh, I'll I'll make sure you guys are are very well aware of what's going on over the next couple months. And we are systematizing this a bit more. Um, But we believe that you have to be able to learn things online and then come to a cohort session, work with other entrepreneurs, get feedback. And and the cohorts are really important. Um, There's really a lot of learning that happens through that. And then we have this incredible network of mentors. Um, so if, if any of you today also said, hey, I, I would like to work with early stage companies. I would like to work with early stage entrepreneurs. I, the best way to learn these skills is actually to be a mentor. You'll go through one of our programs. The best way to learn is to teach. I mean, you you all know this better than I do. I, I've learned so much over the last two years by trying to teach this stuff as well. Um, but our mentors are incredible. And being part of that cohort, being a mentor, working with an early stage company, seeing how this stuff works in practice is really, really um it's just really important and also very inspiring. And our mentors, um, there's no cash payment, but the value exchange really is getting to work with a cool company, getting to be part of a really interesting network, learning these techniques, putting them into practice, and then giving back. We are really rolling out this you know what we call the university startup lab. I mean, this is basically in its nascent stages, but will be fully functional in the next couple of months. And what that really is, is is Thinking more about how do we divide and conquer within the university, and how do we make sure that people have an opportunity to use these techniques? So we are working closely with a number of people across the university to say, okay, let's let's get in there and do more workshops and let's do more hackathons, more things that could get people really practicing entrepreneurship. Because you, you can't just re- you can't just come to the session today, hear about it, and say you're an entrepreneur. You do have to put it into practice and see how it feels. We are going to try to spin more companies out of the university and really get them to world shaping. Um, We definitely want to use entrepreneurism as a a way to be more diverse and really cross the chasm that I think exists too much in South Africa in order to work with people who look different and act different and have different backgrounds. Um, I mean, to me, that's what was so fascinating about Silicon Valley was I mean, it's brown, green, yellow and purple, and it's everyone from all around the world coming together to try to make these things work. And that's really where things get interesting when you bring together different uh, different perspectives. And that's where, where it really gets fun. And then we have to figure out our model. So we are just a startup as well. Um, we eat all of our own cooking and we have to learn how to be um, sustainable. Like We will be profitable this year. We build a nice cash balance. Um, so how do we create our own sustainable enterprise so we can teach others to do the same? So again, it really is a dual mandate. One is bringing this entrepreneurial mindset to as many people as possible. The second one is to build these high impact, sustainable companies from the university. And here's what's happening over the next couple of weeks and months. And and like I said, we are redoing our website. We are really solidifying this startup lab. So it will be very, uh, a bit more focal and a bit easier to follow online as well. And we'll be out there in full force pretty soon. So hopefully you'll, you'll not only hear a lot about us, but hopefully you can spread the gospel as well. Every week we're doing office hours, um, so you can sign up on our website. You can come to office hours. You can talk to one of us about your question, your idea. If you have any questions about the entrepreneurial mindset, if you just want to, just want to chat, we're here. So we, we do want to open ourselves up to that in a, in a bit of a systematic way. Um, we do webinars every month. We did one a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm trying to think who was on that one. It was a, a actually a science professor from I think Northwestern or Vits um talking about the development of medical devices in south africa we have another one coming up also focused on science and medical where we're going to have uh, i believe an entrepreneur from the united states and one from south africa talking about how the the the, build, the business building techniques are, are different so again all on our website you can sign up you can hear about these things you can join part of the community um, that really sees what's going on and, and really can, can interact with entrepreneurism we do a community event every month i mean obviously these have been getting kind of hard to do with COVID and everything, but we've found some creative ways to come together. Um, So keep looking for these from on our website. Um, We do these thematic showcases. So we did Agri plus data in May. We have a health and data showcase coming up in, I think it's August now, um, or maybe September. Things are getting pushed back a little bit with the calendar getting moved around. Um, so we do four showcases a year. This is an, an opportunity for people to bring their ideas to a showcase, put them out there to the world, and then the winners come into one of our programs, and even the losers get to come and be part of our world. So it, just remember, it's always a first step on the journey. Um, we do have our EDHE InterVarsity Pitch Competition um, that happened in, I believe, May, and, and some of the winners from that will come on to our programs. Um, so that is an opportunity for, for uh, people within the university to pitch their ideas We start our data science bootcamp next week. Um, That is a six week course that is uh, very intensive. We had 90 applications from across the university. We took in 25 of those students and we'll do six weeks of hardcore data science and then um, use the best efforts uh, way to get people into internships. And so in our last cohort, 10 people wanted internships. We got nine of them an interview and five of them were hired. Um, And I have to recheck on that. I think a couple more of them got hired as well. So this is a pretty cool way for anyone with really a STEM background, you could have any background, but it's not going mean, data science, a lot of math and probability and whatnot. So if we can teach you that and then place you with a cool tech startup, that's it's a pretty cool way to cross that chasm between academia or um, un- learning and getting into a actual job. Countdown is, one of our flagship programs. This is a hardcore design thinking lean startup course. We have 13 teams in that now. We'll have about 30 teams go through that this year. Um, We run that three times a year. And it really is, I mean, if you have an idea that's been validated or you're in the process of doing so, then you should apply for this program. I mean, it is pretty selective, but we we are working with a number of university companies here. And then we're doing a hackathon in November, um, talking to Intersect, Capitech, and Standard Bank about bringing something together for students. Um, And again, more information about all stuff we have it all up on our website um, you can always email us too if there's questions but we will be making this a bit more clear and out there in full force um, in the next couple weeks and months as we start to hire out our team there um, for the faculty all, all of the above <laughs> i mean it's pretty much the same thing i would say like all this stuff is is readily accessible and, and, and faculty student whoever you are it's uh, it'll be fun to work together and the last piece here is so we, we talked about getting the, the gospel of entrepreneurism out there, but then also we call it future building. So how are we building companies? I talked a little bit about the techniques we use. Um, here's a little bit about our programs. And I, I will email these slides out afterwards as well. So you can look at them a bit more. But these programs, I think the big difference is we, we've mapped out what we consider to be the zero to one entrepreneurial journey. So these programs really move in a a linear fashion from idea to product market fit. And we then have mentors and experts that work with teams. So we we do believe that companies take a long time to develop. They need a lot of help. They need a lot of support. Um, It can't be three months. It can't be two days and then go away. You really do need to keep working through a process with support. I mean, this, this journey could take a few years. And that's what we've built our number of programs that really map out that journey. Um, As I said, we also do webinars and workshops and a lot of other kind of shorter things for people to get a taste and see how it feels. Um, But if you are really on the entrepreneurial path and really dedicated to the entrepreneurial path, then we have built an entire curriculum that really walks that journey. And then, like I said earlier, we we do want to focus on certain sectors. So we call them climate, agri, and health. We probably need to start rebranding these soon because they're becoming, climate and agri start coming together. Health is a bit different. We're doing some other stuff as well. But in the end, it's really about how do we, step in where the public sector is failing. Um, so I worked in off grid solar, uh, we think infrastructure, education, other things are massive private sector opportunities. So let's build some stuff there. In terms of Agri, I think the most scalable potential business in Africa, besides FinTech, that really can have big impact is precision agriculture. How are we being much more productive and efficient in use of our agriculture? How we're using some really interesting big data, drones, satellites to be smarter here. We're working with a number of companies here, and I really love this sector. And then in the health space, we have a lot that we're doing in biotech around big data and health, Um, some really interesting stuff coming from the university and some really interesting use cases across the continent. And then, yeah, we've worked with a lot of companies um, and and some of them are really successful and some of them have failed. And that's the way this thing works. But it's um, but we feel really good about where we're at and and that we've helped some of these companies along on their journey and and feel like there's way more that we even could be doing as we continue to build out this platform. So that is our that's that's Launch Lab. Um, our, Our big thing is obviously that we want to. Get the entrepreneurial mindset out to everyone. Give people repeated opportunities to use that mindset and to practice it with with other like minded people. And then, if it does grow into something where you want to build a company, we want to help to be there to do that. Um, So, hopefully, this was informative and a bit helpful. Um, And, like I said, we'll be out there in, in more force soon, making sure this is all clear and all systematized. And I really do think 2022 is the year where we'll be able to say, okay, here's really what Launch Lab offers to the university and working um, across a number of ways to do that now. So a little bit longer than I expected, but we have 30 minutes now for for um, Q&A to get your feedback, to hear what you're thinking about. And and I really would use this as a forum both for questions as well as feedback. I mean, you all are our customers where we're doing our our own empathy building and learning what really your needs are, what pains you have, what you want to learn. So yeah, thanks for listening and, and really happy to take any questions or comments.
0: You know, I think just kick off our Q&A um, looking at some of the things you mentioned in terms of the methodologies, you know, that, that launch lab uses and applies when it comes to fostering and developing an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, one of the, the questions, um, that, that, that has come through from, from a colleague is in terms of design thinking, how can it be used to foster the transformative student experience within a university?
1: Yeah, so I think it's, it's a really important question. This is where I do think hearing about things and using them is really important. So we will be running a design thinking workshops, hopefully starting in September. The one I want to do in September is called Design Your Life. <laughs> so um, we're going to use any design thinking can take any design challenge. So, for instance, this one in September, maybe we're doing this with secondary school students and saying, hey, you just graduated from high school. What's next? That's the design challenge. Um, One option could be university. Another option could be something else. But by using design thinking, we can go through a process to basically collect more data, think about this thing in a bigger way, use that to then generate more creative solutions and go through a really circular process of tinkering and really iterating and testing, iterating and testing. So really design thinking is a system that we have to use in order to really understand and, and nurture, but can really be meant for any, any, really any design challenge. And so why I think the entrepreneurial mindset comes in there, if I layer in a couple of things, my the two biggest things I think for entrepreneurial mindset, and if I had two books I could really recommend, one is called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, Angela talks, and there's TED Talks and all this as well. Um, grit is this mix of passion plus perseverance. And if you really know what you're passionate about, if, and in, for entrepreneurism, it's actually what problem are you passionate about solving? That's really the question that people should ask when they start a business is what, what problem am I really passionate about solving? The second question is, why am I the person to solve it? We call that an earned insight. Like Whatever you put the 10,000 hours in, in order to, to solve that problem. And if you know what you're passionate about, if you know what problem you're trying to solve, then you will persevere. The idea of growth mindset so this is the work done by carol dweck who was a stanford professor and that's the the book of that name growth mindset is really this idea that you can have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset growth mindset is one that believes that you're always adaptable and you can change and you're never the perfect version of yourself Um, i grew up on the east coast of the united states where a fixed mindset is very much the way the world works Um, you are the best version of yourself you have to you have to Um, You have to fight against people not believing that you can't not you're not allowed not to have the answer. You can't fail. Failure is bad. And this is what Silicon Valley taught me is that that growth mindset and really believing that you can learn and fail and iterate. You don't fail. You just you either succeed or learn. And even succeeding isn't always the, the most positive thing. It's all about learning. So I think these entrepreneurial mindsets are about grit and growth mindset. Design thinking is a system that then asks you to effectively learn and fail a lot. And the faster that you can test and iterate which is probably a better way to say learn and fail test and iterate based on a user so that's the big insight here especially for the university is that product development and design thinking only works if you're talking to a user or talking to the person's problem that you want to solve too often startups research whatever it may be is done without ever actually talking to the user so that's the big thing with design thinking is giving you the tools to get out of the building Talk to a user, understand their problem, and then test and iterate be okay with that process of testing and iterating, realizing it's going to produce a better outcome than either having a fixed mindset or not getting out of the building and not asking the questions. So I don't know, I don't know if it's helpful, but they all these things do start fitting together in a weird puzzle, um, but they are all pieces of that puzzle.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, Josh, um, for that. I think just to just a follow up to to that question, um, just perhaps also just contextualising. I think student affairs um, as a whole. So, um, as student affairs practitioners, um, a lot of our work essentially is is orientated orientated around facilitating an ecosystem of support, um, development and engagement with the student community to really co-create the environment. So my my next question um, is when it comes to tapping in let's say into the into the student community um, and there, there's so many different structures and spaces um, that students are involved in from faculties um, to societies um, residence- based um, environments, and and so on how can we create an environment where students that have ideas um, to, to you know make their communities better whether it be, in the university or beyond the university, how can we create a, a, a support network for that um, in, in terms of creating a support network where those that want to develop that entrepreneurial mindset um, feel, you know, they, they can really have that, have a space where they can, you know, be supported in terms of that developmental process.
1: Yeah. I mean, the interesting part is uh, I think we have it already. It's uh, the hardest part is, and you all know this, is actually communicating with people to, to know that it's there. Um, so what I've found, I mean, I got here two years ago and, and I looked all across campus to see what was going on around entrepreneurism. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things happening around entrepreneurism, whether you're in science or EMS or engineering. Um, I think the hard part for people sometimes is there's no one central repository, if you will. There's no one place you can go to for a single source of truth that everything that's happening on campus. I mean, what we are hopefully working towards is saying Launch Lab can be that, at least we can coordinate across a number of different areas to at least tell people, hey, this is going on here, this is going on there, because there's a lot of stuff happening. But especially in the pandemic, one of the hardest things we find and one of the reasons I took the call today was because we don't know how to find all of you. Is it WhatsApp? Is it email? Is it newsletters? Is it, I don't know, LinkedIn? Like it's really hard to figure out how to communicate with people in this, this world where we are inundated with information. So what we're doing is going back to design thinking and going back to testing different channels. Um, so we are going to be hiring a team, a full time team now to run this startup lab. It'll be three or four people that'll be working with Launch Lab and they probably will be coming to a lot of you and saying, hey, How do we best access you and and your constituents? What kind of programs would you want? How long can those programs be? Like, these are all design thinking questions that really can help us understand how to meet you where you need to be. And then also understand how to pull together all the different threads that are happening. But no one really knows how to create that journey. I think that's the biggest thing is that we want there to be a journey. So after you get off this call today, the question should be what's next. And OK, well, now we have a hackathon, a webinar, an office hour, a, uh, a design thinking workshop. Like, what is the next thing that you can do in order to walk that path? And to be clear, like everyone has to walk the path for themselves, but we can be there to help provide the path and support along the path. So I think we're getting closer to it. But the hardest thing, I think, is just sorting through sorting through all the information right now and sorting through all the the noise to find <laughs> to find the stuff.
2: Over to Yaki.
0: I see your hand is up.
2: Thanks. Thanks, uh, Kirsten. Hi, Josh. Thanks for the input. I have two questions. One, uh, with respect to looking back at your own life story and where you are. Uh, uh, what what would you say was the drive for you that nurtured your entrepreneurial spirit, and is it something that can cut across all boards? Secondly, you mentioned the fact that you know you are moving into the communities, maybe high schools and so on. I want to touch on that because importantly, not all students, especially you know from surrounding communities of Stellenbosch for example, can go and have opportunities mm-hmm. to go to varsity. So, what is a, how important are, are social partnerships with yeah. the, the communities and the municipality to build that entrepreneurial spirit uh, uh, from an earlier point on so that we don't have sadly events uh, that we saw in the country last week that happened, but because
1: we built an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, on the first one, the entrepreneurial spirit. um I think it's two things. One, and I, I wish I could tell a better story here, but I, I went to, I graduated university with like literally no money. I had no money in my pocket. I, I wasn't at that time in my life really close to my family. It's a lot better now, but we had some fallings out and I, I went to New York to try to figure out how to make money and how to build a career and build a life, um, which will actually dovetail into my second answer. And I went and worked on Wall Street. I worked really hard and I did really well. And in tw- 2007, my, my team, my partner and I had the biggest year ever at the firm in terms of revenue. And the company was like, hey, we lost $5 billion. Sorry, we can't pay you. And that was like a big aha moment for me. It was like, hold on, wait. Like if I'm in this super um, mercenarial type place and I don't get to control my own upside, like I don't actually get to own. If I work hard, if I do a good job, then it's actually still not up to me. That that actually was a big ep- epiphany for me. And it's not so much about money. It's really about controlling the outcome. And it's also about the realization that I think people misassess risk, in my opinion. Um, people think because you work at a big company, it's less risky. I mean, I worked through the financial crisis. I saw entire companies go down. I saw entire departments get let go overnight because they were simply a number. And so I said, you know what? Like, if I'm going, if I believe in myself and I think I can do it, and i also, if I want to control my own destiny, I'm going to go do it myself. Because <laughs> at least I, if I fail, then I fail. It's not. It's not. It's no one else's fault. So that was part of it. That was my first step on the entrepreneurial journey. Was realizing that I really want to own my destiny. Secondly, I love building things. The coolest part about being an entrepreneur to me is that you can start with nothing and then wake up one day and you built something. And and ideally, what you've built is beautiful. Um, like I remember seeing the Taj Mahal for the first time, and it's kind of cliche, but I saw it and was like, oh my god, this is like profession on a mass scale. That's the cool part about entrepreneurism. Like, there's nothing there today, and then tomorrow you can dream it up and build it, and make it beautiful, and make it something the world's never seen. And I love that. The last piece, and dovetails into the second question here, and really my own personal mission, is is impact at scale. So I want to use entrepreneurism and I want to use these techniques as a way to find people meaningful work, as a way to solve social issues, as a way to have an impact. And I think this is the best way to do it, especially on the continent. I mean, Africa is the fastest growing continent in the world by far. Um, this demographic dividend can happen or it can be demographic destruction. And from someone who's lived and worked in Lagos and, and, and Nairobi and, and all these other places where the cities are not what they look like here, um, this is a real big opportunity or a really big issue. Let's be really clear with that one. And I worked in climate for for five years because that's the same concept. Like This is a really big opportunity or it's a really bad problem. So let's see if we can't um, use some of the entrepreneurial mindset to say it's an opportunity. The thing, if you saw on that slide, the, the the mission for me of the startup lab is entrepreneurism for impact. So I want my, 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 my hope is that we're going to start teaching people these techniques and then let, letting them get into the communities and also working with the communities in their own place to help develop these techniques from an earlier age. Um, we want to do this to be candid, like, again, with all this stuff, you have to figure out who funds it, like who pays for that thing, because um, we are we are we're not a nonprofit, but we do have to, like, at least be sustainable in our own right. Um, so we, we we did create the Makers Landing um, incubator at the VNA Waterfront. So that is an SME focus, mostly female entrepreneur incubator focused on on cooking. So we had eight teams come through uh, last year. Most of them were women who lost their jobs during COVID and started cooking Cape Malay curry or whatever else. And the businesses started going and we helped grow those businesses. We're looking to do more things like that. Um, we are looking to do a lot more workshops, design thinking, lean startup, design your life in, in our school, as well as local communities. Um, we're looking to work with banks to get SME programs out to their customers. So the answer in a big way is yes. And we're looking for partners in that. Um, my vision really is to teach a lot of you these techniques and then have you go out and do it as well. Because um, we really just need to throw a lot of people at this thing. So the answer is yes. And <laughs> uh, but we're we're actually in a really cool moment right now of finding some really good traction with our programs and now starting to scale the team. So I do have three, um, hires I'm making right now. All of our, our, uh, our job descriptions are on the website for global ops, finance manager, varsity engagement. And also we always have fellowships open. Um, so I would say if these are things that are appealing to you, then please reach out to us and we'll, we'll find a way to get you put in the system and find a way to start, um, helping you teach others. Cause that really is how this thing's probably going to work. I don't know if that's helpful.
0: Thank you. Uh, Thank thank you, Josh. I don't know, um, Yaki, if there's um, anything um, you wanted to respond, but... If not, then um, I'll just go ahead. Um, so, um, Josh, you've mentioned um, a couple of times, you know, the importance of of empathy um, within the design thinking process, but also empathy in itself as, 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 as an important principle in terms of human centered design. Um, so just out of curiosity, what are some of the the challenges um, w- when it comes to that really key principle um, of 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 design thinking, um, especially the, the, the challenges um, for someone um, perhaps a stu- you know, in terms of in, in the student environment, a student that perhaps you know, has a bit of that challenge of you know, identifying you know, what, is, what is exactly the need that they are addressing within, within the environment?
1: There's steps that you need to take before you can even enter design thinking. This is where I think Lean Startup and Design Thinking come together. And we actually start with mission So, I mean, it sounds maybe cliche, but the first thing we talk about is is mission and vision. So the first thing we do with our entrepreneurs is really delve down into what what is like, why are you here? And really the mission is is what problem are you trying to solve? So for Launch Lab, our our problem, so the thing that we want to do is transform seemingly impossible into world shaping. Um, That is both the mission as well as the problem we're looking to solve. Um, What that mission does is basically creates a sandbox within which you operate. So if you're if you don't know your mission, then really you can do anything. And that's both a gift and a curse. So what you want to start doing is understanding what do I care about? And, and to be clear, the reason that it's so important to figure out, do I really care about this problem is because it's going to be hard. <laughs> like, entrepreneurism is hard and it's, it's lonely and it can be tiring and it can be exhausting. But we say it is it's a calling. It's not a job. Like, I can't go work a job anymore. I can't go back to a corporate. Like, this is what I do. This is my calling. It's the only thing that would make me happy. Um, That's kind of how you have to feel about this thing. And that takes a long time. Um, But if you think that you could be called towards it, then, okay, well, within that world, what is the thing that you're so passionate and so curious about solving that you will get out of the building and you will become an expert in it? You will get after it. So it starts with mission. Mission defines your sandbox once you know the world within which you want to operate, what we use is, is what we call business model canvas, which is one of these technical tools for entrepreneurism, which is a way of starting to map the environment within which you operate. So who are the, who are the potential, I call them customers, but really in the beginning, it's really who are the users that you want to better understand. And that's the way really to think about this. It's not a customer. You're not going out and trying to sell something to somebody. You're going out and asking questions and trying to understand their problem and understand why that problem is the way it is. How do they solve it today? How important it is to them and doing that over and over again. So you can start to understand, is there, is there a problem you're, you you are passionate and also understand how to solve. Is that problem big enough that someone's going to pay you a significant amount of money to solve it? And can you solve it is a big question. So We use mission to get to business model canvas. We use a business model canvas to build what's called a customer discovery pipeline, which is basically just turning an archetype into a person. And then we use what we call customer discovery or getting out of the building and empathy building to really understand that customer, to work with them, to think about co-creating. And then we use that, excuse me, agile engineering and low res prototyping to go back to that person and say, hey, I I talked to you as well as 50 other people about this problem. I think I'm starting to understand it. Am I understanding this right? Like if I built this thing, what I heard is that you could use this. And they'll say, no, no, no. Well, I don't like this. And I like that. You didn't hear this, but this thing's good. Okay, cool. Let me low-rest prototype that some more. And I, ideally, you're going back with the customer and testing, iterating to a point where they say yes. And if you, you can watch some of our webinars. You can go back on our, on our what we call the thinking lab. But we talk about that, that product market fit moment. And that's a fancy way of saying someone you need someone to reach across the table and say, give it to me. <laughs> like You heard my problem. You solved it. Now go give it to me and build it. And ideally, you can find 100 one hundred or a thousand more people who will say the same thing. The big question is, how do you get to that moment? And that's where that's what that's the path that we try to lead people on is the path of get, the, the, the process of getting to that moment of product market fit. So. It's a long way of answering an easy question, but it all starts with mission. It all starts with understanding what are you so passionate about solving? What problem are you going to put 10,000 hours into? And then who are the people you're going to work with in order to co-create a solution that meets that problem? Josh,
0: maybe, uh, I, think I, can,
1: <laughs> maybe I can ask you a question. Yeah, sure. Um, what is the, what is the biggest, biggest lesson you learned out of failure? Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot of lessons from failure. Oddly, like I think you learn, I don't know. I was gonna say I learned some lessons from success as well. Like what I learned from my first startup, we, we did get product market fit in a big, big way, but we didn't set the mission strong enough. Actually, I've, I've, I've been part of seven startups. I'd say three of them got product market fit, and almost all of them, when they got product market fit, exploded in kind of a negative way because the mission. And the actual company weren't set up enough they weren't structured enough they weren't clear enough that when you do get that moment where things really start to go that it stays it it, it doesn't explode um so that was actually a huge lesson to learn from success um i think from failure i think this sounds super cliche but the only lesson is there's no such really thing as failure it's really it's either you you're testing so the number one equation that i give to all my entrepreneurs no matter how smart they are or whatever else, literally the most important equation in startups is the, the most learning for the minimum cost. So with startups, you're searching for what we call replicable and scalable business model. So if you're searching, then you want to get the most information about the most important thing for the minimum cost. And the minimum cost is usually your time or uh, R&D. And so I think that's the same thing in life. I think you want to be able to test and learn, test and learn on specific hypotheses pretty quickly. So for me, I think the biggest learning is that failure is just learning, right? So if you know what what variable you're testing and if you're specifically testing that thing, then there's no success or failure. It's either you're nullifying or verifying a hypothesis. And that's a really key, important learning because then you can move forward and say, hey, it's not failure, I just learned something. (laughs) But the last piece would be, it's all about your cost structure. Um, this is for both life as well as your company. The lower your costs are, the lower your expenses are, the more time you have and the more opportunities you have to test and iterate. If you i have done this, I've made this mistake as well. Like you think you start to have something, you hire a lot of people or you think you're starting to make a lot of money at your job. So you buy a bunch of cars or whatever else. And then all of a sudden that thing goes away and you're stuck in a bad spot. So that's part of what lean startup is all about and Steve Blank says a pivot. So a pivot is when you have to move your company a little bit. So when you say okay, we're going to do x instead of y and you don't have to fire everyone. Or it's like when you have to change your life a little bit and you don't have to sell all your stuff. So I think really examining your costs. <laughs> and I was a CFO, so like I mean I come from a financial background. I come from that background, but I think it's also super important. It's just, it's the lower your costs are and the more in check your costs are, the, the, the more success you're going to have. Um,
3: Josh, thank you so much for sharing your story and um, sharing the story of Launch Lab. Um, I think just have a, a maybe quite um, broad question, but I like what you've mentioned. Is Earlier, you said that especially Launch Lab is what you'd like to do is um, assist students by using this entrepreneurial skills and entrepreneurial mindset to help them to actually solve problems and challenges in their communities. So it's not really just about making money, but it's actually about how do I think about life and how do I um, solve problems that really is relevant to me and my communities. But what I want to know from you is, obviously we as student affairs practitioners would like almost the same or says the same sentiment. We would like students to leave the space thinking other than just their careers thinking how they can make a contribution to society so um, on a very small scale even what what could we as practitioners do other than maybe sending them to launch mm-hmm. lab for for programs etc how can we start introducing um, this thinking and the importance of that into our program um, programmatic offerings for instance wow. just so that I think that the, the value in in the thinking and the contribution and having them um, almost incorporate that in their in their studies, I think that would be very valuable.
1: Yeah, and that's where we're definitely working on it right now. My my answer would be. And I mean, I think it is, it does take some work with all of you. And so it it will take us coming back and saying, how do we run a couple of training workshops? Like this stuff, I I think people will get it very quickly. Like once you get the hang of it and we do a lot of fun ones, like, so one of the design thinking exercises we do is um, design a better gift giving experience. So everyone gives gifts. Most people are terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. So we go through a whole design thinking exercise to, to design a better gift giving experience. So we have fun ways to teach people how to use this stuff. And then I do think it it requires some training and then you working with your your students to do the same. So ideally we're training people and they're going off and teaching it as well. Um, I mean, it would be like anything, right? If you wanted to teach your students how to play golf, like you probably have to take a couple swings to figure out what that thing looks like or watch a bunch of videos, whatever it may be. I think our hope is to be able to get these techniques to people really quickly. Um, Otherwise, I mean, there are a lot of online resources. I mean, if you Google design thinking, if you do Ted talks, whatever else, Um, If nothing else, like surround yourself with this material. So, I mean, between podcasts, webinars, all this stuff, grit, growth mindset, um, I'm happy to, I think on our thinking lab, we have a a whole additional resources area where we say these are the things that we like. So the more you can ingratiate yourself with it and, and have it all around you. And then ideally, again, like we'll come back to you and say, how can we, whoever wants to raise their hand, and it's not for everyone, but whoever wants to participate, how do we get them these, these learnings and teachings and support very quickly and then get it out there? That would be my take, but I'm, I'm obviously very open to, to how you would think about doing it as well.
0: Yeah, okay, so um, a question in the chat. Um, what are your views on entrepreneurship and risks? Noting what has happened in KZN and, and Gauteng, um, it's a risk that may scare building entrepreneurs and other startup businesses.
1: I mean, like I said earlier, I do think people, my, my view is that people misassess risk. At least I, I think so. In, in terms of thinking that having a corporate job or some sort of uh, mainstream job is less risky, um, especially in a bad economy. So I think everyone should take a peek at, at really the assessment of risk and understand that there is a time to, to do this thing. And also being an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean you have to start your own company with no salary. Like I've worked with a number of companies where I've been paid to learn. So I came in as, say, the VP of corporate finance for an early stage company. Like I've I've generally been able to work at startups and you make less money, but there should be more upside as well. Um, But you also control that upside. So I think that's the first part to me is really just understanding what that risk return looks like and and understanding that in one camp, you may or may not control your destiny and the other one you do. And there's a risk assessment in that as well. Um, in terms of what's happening across the country, like to me, the only answer is entrepreneurism. Um, so to me, it's just it, across the world, right? We have a lot of young people with a lot of energy and not, nothing to do. Um, that's, that's a scary thing. And, and really, to me, like the thing that I think people in the United States take for granted and one of the, the reasons I live abroad and I won't live in the United States probably for a while is that it's, it's assumed in the United States that you go to university, you get out of university and you get a job. And I was the same way. I didn't know what I was good at. I didn't know what I liked, but there was a lot of jobs for me to have and for me to try out my skills and see what worked and what didn't. That, that dynamic doesn't exist a lot of places in the world, as we all know. So being able to get out of school or even go to school and then figure out what you're good at and start to work with smart people and start to work with people that push you and, and motivate you is not something that most people have. It's something we're really passionate about offering and something we're, we're working as hard as we can to do. But to me, I mean, a lot of this that's going on right now is a, we need more, more jobs and more, uh, more employment in general. And especially for, I mean, for younger people that have a lot of energy and nothing to do, and the only way to me is 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 to build. Like the government's not going to take care of it for us. The, the people aren't. Like, you have to you have to build this thing. So um, that's why I find so really interesting about working across Africa as well is that in other places within the continent, they I mean they don't assume the government's coming. I think in South Africa, with my all due respect, I think the government has provided in some way for a long time. I think that's becoming more difficult, and I think the private sector is going to have to step in in a lot of places.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast and remember to follow us on Instagram at FEZS Institute and subscribe to the podcast for bi-weekly uploads. Also feel free to send us a message if you would like to collaborate on an episode or if you're interested in one of our short courses.